This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ES Des Moines. On a Friday, if you're watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, you will notice people in the background. Kira, do you know what's going on behind us? You know uh, what's happening back here? I don't. I, it's I a pizza eat. party day. Oh! It's pizza party day around here. Maybe because it's Good Friday. I don't know. Hopefully there's no meat on any of those pizzas. But it's pizza party day in the office. They're all in the kitchen. All back there in the kitchen where they have taken their slices of Northern Lights pizza and they have gone back to their desks. All the salespeople, all the GM, the O, everybody here. It's pizza party day okay. going out of the office. You have to sing the jingle if you're going to sing. Northern Lights pizza. <laughs> I have zero shame, Kara. I will sing a a jingle on the radio. Happy Friday. Happy Good Friday to you. Happy Easter weekend to you. Um, if you're in Des Moines and you're going to plan for an Easter egg hunt, do you know what the weather forecast for Sunday is? Snow. You have snow. to be kidding me. <laughs> I snow and rain and a wintry mix coming our way uh, on Sunday. So... I keep asking my wife, I'm like, what the hell are we going to do come Sunday? You know, it's very eggs in the snow and ice. I'm not the most <laughs> religious person, so I don't think I'll be going to Easter Mass. And I'm like, well, the Easter Bunny's going to still show up, so what do we do? And our backyard is going to be wet and gross. So we usually go to my mother in law's, and that's going to be wet and gross. So it's like, all right, <laughs> we're going to maybe we'll just hide them in the living room or something. We'll take all the toys out, put the eggs. For the kids to find in their Easter baskets or whatever. But I hope you have a safe and happy uh, Easter weekend going on. We've got a lot to talk about today. We are going to get to... See, I fight this. And, and Kira, we have talked about the fact that we are both millennials. Right? <laughs> I'm an old millennial. <laughs> by four, by, uh, I'll be a 41-year-old millennial next Wednesday. Wow. All right? All right? Happy Four, yeah. Thank you. Uh, you're a younger millennial. I think we've determined this by like a, a year or two. Yep. You're the we're, so you and I bookend this. Two of the three biggest stories in sports this weekend have to do with <sighs> millennials. <laughs> millennials helping. Millennials not helping the fight that you and I <laughs> go through every day. Like you're a millennial. You know we're deemed as this soft generation, the everyone gets a trophy generation. The, you know, I need a pat on the back generation. The snowflakes. The snowflake yeah, generation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I don't necessarily think that's true. There is something, there are some things about my generation that are soft, but two of the three things we're going to get to later on in the show have to do with, with, with millennials and pouting. And I just, uh, <laughs> sometimes I feel old we, when I have to talk about my... to whine. <laughs> and maybe that's why I enjoy being on the radio, because I can sit here and whine and bitch all I'd want on the radio. Um, perfect job for me. But before we get to any of that, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't talked a lot about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, because I know for like six straight weeks on the show, all I did was talk about Aaron Rodgers and the drama surrounding him. But there was actual Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers news to get to this week. So my favorite Aaron Rodgers story, before we get to the Sammy Watkins signing. So Rodgers is, you know, last week we talked about him. He's down in Miami. He's doing the Bitcoin thing. He is, uh, it was a Bitcoin fest. He's wearing a leather jacket down in Miami. Like, really, bro? A leather coat? We live in the worst 
timeline. <laughs> I mean, come on. Bitcoin Fest? We have to talk. That's our well, fourth it's called, segment. It's called Bitcoin 22. It's a festival about Bitcoin. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was one of the keynote speakers. So was Serena Williams. And so was uh, one of the wide receivers for the Rams named Odell Beckham Jr. And there were hundreds of other big-time people. They're like Andrew Yang and other people who are big into crypto were down there talking about it. They tried to get Elon Musk to come down there. He's busy screwing up Twitter or whatever he's going to do. So, uh, yeah, Rogers last week was in Miami doing the Bitcoin festival, <laughs> which just sounds so ridiculous. Uh, and this week, at least for a day, he's out in California, and he's throwing the football around with a bunch of kids. Looks like a camp of some kind, right? And I love the video. Now, there's, there's not a ton to this audio clip that I'm going to play for you, but imagine, like, you're watching from about the 50-yard line. Rodgers is playing in football with some kids. They're wearing flags, like in flag football. And Rodgers throws a pick. And you can hear, A, the kids start cheering when Rodgers throws an interception to, like, a 13-, 14-year-old kid. And the kid does the coolest thing, right? Kid picks the pass off, runs it back up to Rodgers, and hands him the ball. My favorite part of the video is what Rodgers does next, because the kid then runs past Rodgers, Number 12 turns around and fires the ball at the kid's legs. <laughs> That's the coolest video ever. You know, this is how it's, again, there's just some music and some crowd reaction. This is how it sounded. <laughs> again, not great audio, but you hear two crowd reactions. One, Rogers throwing the pick, and then you hear... The crowd reacting is Aaron. They give him the ball back, and Aaron just takes it and just fires it at the kid from behind. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. And it reminds me, if you've watched Saturday Night Live, when Peyton Manning hosted, you can't not laugh when you watch the Peyton Manning working with the United Way, working with the kids on SNL. Being a kid can be harder than it looks. Sometimes it helps to have an adult around. That's why Peyton Manning takes time out to volunteer with local youth groups. You guys ready to play some football? Yeah! Put our hands in. Right, we're going to have fun. We're going to encourage each other. Teamwork on three. One, two, three. Teamwork! Peyton uses football to teach valuable lessons of communication. Check, 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 check. Watch the sale. Watch the sale. Pink, pink. Watch the blitz. Proud 55 Razor. Done. Open. Get open. <laughs> You. I can't even look at you. You know what? Let's take the portal that for 20 minutes. That's right. Stay in there. <laughs> Nail it. Door open. Close the door. Stay in there. Okay, I'm sorry. Do you want to lose? I throw, you catch. It's not that hard, okay? Alright, get the out of here. I think that, and then there's another minute that is not football related. One of the best sketches ever for a for an athlete to host. And athletes don't always host, you know, a couple to have, but it was just hilarious. Best video I saw all week. And somebody was like, because I posted it, I have a Mike Wickett Media. I have my own my, my Facebook page for my company. And someone's like, who cares for that? Because someone thought I was trashing Rogers <laughs> when I posted it. Like, you know, so what? Rogers got picked off. What are you trying to say? Like. No, it's the it's the, what happened after that's the best part of it. Firing the football at the kid's feet was the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. If you haven't seen it, uh, follow me on Twitter. I think I put it there at Mike Wicket. It is 
it's hysterical. It's just great. And Aaron's kind of like half laughing because you know he's pissed that he threw an interception to a 12-year-old kid or whatever and he just fires it at him. It's great stuff. On the actual football field, there was Green Bay Packers news. Um, so they, they lose Devontae Adams. They lose Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Their number one wide receiver is Alan Lazard. And everybody knows. Everybody and their brother knows. Packers need wide receiver help. And there's rumors out there like DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett or Terry McLaurin or you know, Julio Jones. And what do they wind up with? Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins, who has not played a full season in like seven years. 28-year-old Sammy Watkins, who, honestly, when Sammy's on the field, Sammy's a very good wide receiver. The problem is Sammy Watkins can't stay on the field. Now, they only gave him a one-year deal worth $4 million, which is fine. Uh, it's a low-risk, maybe a high-reward uh, move to get to get Sammy Watkins. Here's what, um, this is when you know news is real and official because people are wondering, well, what does Aaron Rodgers think? Because we talked a lot about the Devontae Adams deal, and there's no way Green Bay trades Devontae Adams without Aaron Rodgers knowing about it. Well, Aaron had to know about the Sammy Watkins signing because that's the guy he's going to be throwing the ball to, not the 12-year-old kid in the video in California. But Pat McAfee on his show over on YouTube got the text that Rodgers was aware of this. Aaron Rodgers has told sources who have told me. (laughs) (laughs) Talked to Sammy Watkins last night. Excited about the signing. Can't wait to get to work with Sammy. I thought we were still talking about Coach O. We were, but then my phone vibrated, and all of a sudden I see the name of a man who was sitting in a leather jacket in Miami talking about Bitcoin. (laughs) And I go, oh, he knows we're live right now. Probably watching, actually, since we are. Hey, good to see you, Uh, dude. Hope you're good, man. Leather jacket in Miami, awesome. I mean, hilarious and awesome. Uh, Follow-up, he's pumped about Sammy Watkins. I'm going to assume, just from what I've heard about Sammy Watkins from some of the interviews he's done, I've never met him personally, deep thinker, okay? Deep thinker is okay, has a very open mind with chit-chatting about things. Him and Aaron might get along perfectly. This might be exactly what Sammy Watkins needs and wants, and I think Aaron Rodgers feels the exact same way. No, Aaron Rodgers, to me, wants a guy he can throw the football to for 17 games or 16 games in a season. And Sammy Watkins has never been that guy or hasn't been that guy for seven seasons. I worked out in Kansas City and covered the Chiefs when he was the you know, secondary, third receiver, third wideout, third option for Patrick Mahomes behind Tyreek Hill and behind uh, Travis Kelsey. And, and in that role... That's, you know, if you don't have Sammy Watkins on the field for 16 games, but as your third wide receiver, that's fine. This, is, this can't be it. This is a piece. This is a guy. This is an available, high-reward, low-risk signing is what this is for the Packers. You're not... I feel... Listen, I, I'm fine with Sammy. He's just adding... It's just another piece to the wide receiver room... There's got to be something else Green Bay is going to do. And whether or not that is make a trade to acquire Terry McLaurin or D.K. Metcalf or Tyler Lockett or sign a Julio Jones, who, by the way, if you had Julio Jones and Sammy Watkins, you are signing the most possibly banged-up wide-receiving core in history uh, for two guys that usually can't stay healthy. difference is, up until last year, Julio has always fought through his injuries. Sammy Watkins has not. 
That being said, Sammy Watkins is a great player when you get into the postseason. And the Packers desperately needed a wide receiver to catch the ball in the postseason that wasn't named Devontae Adams. Now, Aaron would have to look to that other guy if Adams was still on the team, but Adams is not on this team. So now the Packers are looking at their number one wideout is, is still Alan Lazard. Again, I don't think they're done. Their number two guy is now Sammy Watkins, who, again, if you get, honestly, if they get 10 games out of Sammy Watkins, that's a win. I know that sucks if you're a Packers fan like I am, but if you get 10 games out of Sammy and you get, let's say, 55 catches, maybe 10 games, maybe you get 800 yards out of Sammy and seven touchdowns, that's my expectation. I mean, if, if he's healthy, if Sammy Watkins is healthy and can play 16 games or close to 16 games, 17 games if that last week matters, it didn't last year. But if you can get a season out of Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins will have the best year of his entire career with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. He could have had that year with Mahomes, a couple of seasons he was down in Kansas City with the Chiefs, but he couldn't stay healthy. Last year he was with the Ravens, and then he had 400 receiving yards. And then he had 29 catches for like 400 yards. I think he only had a touchdown or something like that. Like it, this is not a signing that blows anybody's doors off. This is not one of those where it's like, all right, and so the Green Bay Packers into the Super Bowl, they signed Sammy Bleepin' Watkins. No, this is a guy. I still have to believe that their general manager and Brian Gutekinds knows that they have to acquire someone else. There's got to be a wide receiver taken in the first two rounds, whether that's a Chris Olave or uh, the Jamison kid or uh, whoever. There's got to be someone taken in that first round by Green Bay at 22 or 28 or a package moved out to bring in one of those other studs that I mentioned. Packers are better than they were two days ago with the wide receiver core, but they're still not good enough to win, to compete. By the way, he played for Lafleur back in Buffalo. So he's, you know, he's familiar with this offense. I just don't know what the productivity is going to be for Sammy Watkins. But again, Green Bay's a little bit better than they were two days ago, but they're not done. Draft is two weeks from yesterday. That's when things will start to get revealed. And don't forget, that June 1st deadline, there's always, in all these different contracts, Players are owed more and owed less before and after June 1st with their current team or, or, or next team because that's where it sits in the league year. So if there is still, and I was talking about this on my podcast, there's still a chance, too, for Green Bay or anybody to acquire someone. And the number, the cap hit that the team trading the player or the team, the team acquiring the player, there's still a chance that that number goes up and goes down. So even if Green Bay does nothing between now and... Um, May 31st, the, the stroke of midnight could bring on some other new deal for NFL teams to get guys like McLaurin or, or Metcalf or Lockett or whoever else is still out there and, and available. Jarvis Landry's still out there and available. Guy can target 80 times a year right there. But he wants $20 million per season. Yikes. All right, coming up, Kira, you and I... I think on the daily struggle to keep millennials' names out of the gutter. But we're going to talk about two guys in the National Football League coming up that do not help the cause. All right? Sick. We're, we're, we're viewed as immature and selfish and self-centered. Our generation, well, I got two guys out of the National Football League this week who are not helping. That's next. 
Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. So last week I was doing the show and I I run the it's it's a two-person operation here between Kira. And myself here at Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. That's Kira. Um, you handle the radio side. And I have this little video stream going on on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. And so last week, there's one button I have to hit on this little program I have. It goes from a black screen to then the studio, which is the cameras on me, the microphone, the logo. Some little graphic thingies. And then you can see the office behind us here at the ESPN Des Moines studios. They had the last 40 minutes of last week's show without even turning the camera on. So you yelled at me before the show, is your camera on? Yes, it is now. It definitely is. Do not worry, Kara. We are on the Facebook page so my mother can say hello. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know for one, one person always watches the show. And it's my mom. Oh, I know. Hi, Wicket's mom. What's up? What's up, mom? I'll call you this weekend. You can see the babies. <laughs> <laughs> I am 40 years old for a few more days. Kira, how old are you? I am the ripe old age of 26. 26. You and I are both smack dab in the middle of, well, we're not in the middle of, we are millennials. And whether or not you like being a millennial, but you are a millennial. My wife hates it. She is a millennial by 18 days. <laughs> and she denies it. She would rather be Gen X. But by the Pew Research Center definition, we are millennials. All right. I was born in 1981. You were born much later than that. I turn 41 next Wednesday. When stories like the Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray stories come out, it really makes, well, it's two front. One, a lot of people, especially around here, we don't have a ton of pro teams uh, in Iowa. So there are a lot of people that resign to the line, and this is not just an Iowa thing. I've heard this everywhere I've lived in the Midwest. Oh, I don't like pro sports. They're spoiled athletes. <laughs> I also hear millennials are soft. Both of those storylines, there's a confluence right here in the middle where they come together with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Let's first start with Baker Mayfield. He is the soon-to-be former quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, won the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma, uh, went number one about four years ago in the NFL draft. He's got one year left on his rookie deal. This will be his fifth year in the National Football League. But the Browns decided that regardless of the 22, uh, the 22 sexual misconduct allegations in a civil lawsuit that Deshaun Watson has on him, they're going to give Watson a $235 million deal and kick Baker Mayfield to the curb. Now, they have to find a trade partner. Now, Mayfield has always been brash, cocky arrogant. Wherever he has been, Baker Mayfield, you know, he, he planted the flag when he was at Oklahoma, grabbing his junk on camera after a big win or whatever. That's just kind of who Baker Mayfield is. He's had success everywhere he's been except with the Cleveland Browns. And now that he is not having success, now that he is struggling, now that he is on his way out, Baker Mayfield went on a podcast and is playing the woe is me card. Now, normally when you're a guest on a podcast, I do one. This show becomes a podcast. And also I've been guests or a guest on podcasts before. You're on for 10, 20 minutes. 
maybe 30, all right, if it's something big. Like I did an NFL draft preview for the Packers a couple of weeks ago with a buddy of mine. It was 40 minutes, all right? Baker went on a podcast for 90 minutes complaining about his life, complaining about not getting enough respect, including this 60-second soundbite. No, I, I feel disrespected, 100%, because I was told one thing, and they completely did another. That's what I'm in the middle of right now. And you know what? Okay, I got, I got my taste of it, because I've had four different head coaches in four years, a bunch of different coordinators. I've had, talk about the highs, they always come back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they always come back. <laughs> always. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I had great times my rookie year. Like, I didn't, I didn't start in the beginning. I came in and got to have fun the back half of the year. 2019 sucked. 2020 was great, made the playoffs. 2021 was miserable. It's like, yeah. I'm just looking for stabilization right now and like i know what i need to do for right. me to be to be the best version of me right. and to be able to lead an organization and like i'm in a good place right now right we're like i have no clue where i'm going so baker mayfield is 27 as of yesterday so kira basically he's a quarterback in the nfl version of you all right mm -hmm. you have a lot in common with kira <laughs> baker mayfield uh he epitomized Every, epitomizes everything that I hate when I hear people complain about athletes. Spoiled me, I want respect. I hate hearing that. And the name of this podcast is called You Never Know, which as of this morning had 7,000 followers on Twitter. That's not a lot, all right? I have 11,000. That's not a lot. Um, follow me at Mike Wicket. Follow us at ESPN DSM. And Kira, you are... <laughs> T-Sax girl? Is that what it is? T-Sax player. T-Sax player. Thank you. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter. I don't <laughs> ever... I don't post anything good. Nothing... No one... Nothing good no, comes out of my Twitter. <laughs> no one expands their social media brand quite like you, Kira. <laughs> don't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> That's great. That's great stuff right there, Kara. So... I, here, when you are a quarterback in the National Football League, <laughs> you are supposed to be a leader. You are supposed to be the glue that holds the locker room together. You are supposed to be the mature one in the room. Baker's not 23 and a rookie anymore. He is 27 years old, all right? He is the, fr the, the front, the face of the team worth, I don't know what the Browns are worth. Let's conservatively say the Browns are worth a billion dollars. You know, about 10 years ago, the only team out there in the NFL that was worth that much was the Cowboys. And I don't know how many sports franchises in this country outside of the Yankees and Lakers were worth more than half a billion or a billion dollars. But ever since the, the Clippers got sold to Steve Ballmer, all of a sudden everybody's prices went skyrocketing high. I mean, when the Bucks got sold, they were, went for half a billion. I think the Bucks are worth about $3 billion now. All these <laughs> NBA teams are worth so much money. It's crazy. Do you want to know the actual number? For the Browns? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my search says $16 million. No, that cannot be right. Cannot the, the, be right? The value of the Cleveland Browns? No, that's, it's in the billions. It's no. in the hundreds of millions, if not oh, there billions. It is. Yeah, yeah. $2.6 billion. $2.6 so there you go. I guess three. Okay, I'll go with that. Conservatively, said a billion. Mm -hmm. So the Browns, if they were for sale today, would go for minimum $2.6 billion. The face of that team has been Baker Mayfield for the last few years. I w there is not an NFL team, I don't think, out there that is now clamoring to get Baker Mayfield. Take, just don't even think about the fact that Russell Wilson already got traded, Aaron Rodgers announced he's staying, Carson Wentz got traded, Matt Ryan got traded. 
We've done all of the quarterback carousel so far. That's already happened in the National Football League. So teams by now, if they don't have a quarterback that they're super excited about, they're either doing it in the draft or they're really waiting. And I don't know anybody who's really waiting for a guy who's a 500 quarterback worth 18 million bucks for one year. Nobody is a Baker Mayfield away from winning the Super Bowl. Baker is not a top 10 quarterback. He's not a top 15 quarterback. He might be a top 20 quarterback in the National Football League. He has to have some talent left, yes. But he's not been able to stay healthy the last few years, especially last year. He's obviously not a guy that has a ton of respect from front office people. Nor is he a guy that has seemingly got a great relationship with his locker room. You know, he talked about, or also in that podcast, Baker Mayfield talked about, you know, I don't care if the guys don't like me. My job is to win football games. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. No. You know, we in the media criticize Aaron Rodgers on the outside. But I'm telling you right now, inside that locker room in Green Bay, that locker room loves Aaron Rodgers. On the field, for sure. I don't think that's the way that the Browns locker room has felt about Baker Mayfield the last few years, especially last year, especially with Odell Beckham Jr. Everybody thought it was Odell. Beckham goes to L.A., has a great run, part of the Super Bowl team, busted his ACL, but still, that dude was not the problem. It's Baker Mayfield that's, who, that's the problem. And who's going to want that guy now? If the Browns were listening to that podcast, and obviously everybody with the Browns, has heard and seen what Mayfield said. And they know they're trying to get rid of Baker Mayfield and at least some of that contract. Because if they, they can't, he's not going to play for this team at 18 mil as the second or third quarterback. I mean, they brought in Watson, they brought in Jacoby Brissett, and they've got two other guys on the roster plus Baker. But at some point, somebody should have called Baker up during the podcast and said, shut up, shut up. Because the small amount of trade value you used to have 90 minutes ago is now gone. Who wants the guy that in the middle of turmoil, when there's a locker room problem, when there's a communication problem, who wants that guy on their team? Because if there's another, let's say he goes to the Seahawks, which is the only team rumored to have any interest in him whatsoever. Let's say Baker goes to the Seahawks. And there's a bit of a a problem between Baker Mayfield and, say, D.K. Metcalf. Is he going to go find some Seattle podcast or go back on this podcast and, and complain and bitch? Well, I got here and these guys don't accept me. Who wants that guy? And what are you going to give up to get him? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. A seventh-round pick for Baker Mayfield, for who at one time was the first pick in the National Football League? Again, spoiled rich athlete combined with young, immature millennial. This is like my nightmare. And there are other people who have weighed in on this. We're going to hear from them coming up, including uh, a couple of guys who played wide receiver in the National Football League and our own Barton Hahn, who you hear every day on this radio station. There's another story about a spoiled young... I have to check the math and see if this guy's actually a millennial. He might be too young to be a millennial. But another quarterback who is all about getting what's his who's accomplished nothing in the National Football League. We'll do that next. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 
1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. That is Kira. Uh, we will have Cubs baseball for you coming up tonight. 7 o'clock pregame. 7.40 first pitch. Does that sound close? Something, something like that. Seven, they're out in Colorado tonight. Uh, today. Today. Is the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> we should have done this 30 seconds ago when the damn Cubs commercial was just playing. <laughs> seven, 7.05 for the pregame. 7.40 okay. first pitch. All right. We got that one for you. All the Cubs games right here. All weekend long. What's the weather like in Denver right now? <laughs> I mean, it's cold here, and it sucks here in Des Moines weather-wise. What is it, 42 degrees right now in Des Moines? feels like 39, so, you know, I, I, I assume they're going to play ball at Principal Park tonight. <laughs> I assume we're going to have an iCubs game over on our sister station, Hope 940. Wicket, it is gorgeous in Denver. Yeah, I hear today. that a lot. What is it? Uh, right now it's 53 degrees. They've got a high of 70. Oh. Uh, oh my God! How's it? Low of 33, though. So. Well, that'll be cold when the sun goes down yeah. in the Rockies <laughs> later on tonight. Uh, I mean, you think the weather fluctuates here? Man, high 70, low 33 in Denver tonight. So by the time that game ends, it'll be pretty, pretty chilly. Uh, but we'll have the, uh, the the Cubs and Rockies all weekend, weather permitting. It's the Rockies. You never know where there can be snow in Denver. So we'll have uh, all that for you right here on ESPN Des Moines. So we're talking about Baker Mayfield a lot here today. And, and the comments he made on this podcast about not getting the respect. I mean, he basically had a bitch session for 90 minutes on this podcast that I've never heard of. Like, he didn't go on Jeff Passan's uh, podcast from ESPN. Or he didn't go on, like, the, the Joe Rogan podcast that has millions of people. This thing has, like, 7,000 fans. And, and boom, probably never been... He may have crashed the server at this podcast site. It's probably his buddy's podcast, whatever. And, and he's talking about how he's just feeling so disrespected. So I wanted you to hear a couple of other reactions to what Baker had to say in this 90-minute podcast. Barton Hahn, weekdays from 11 until 2 here on ESPN Des Moines, had this to say. It is weird that he's still on the roster. But I, that, it, but that should tell you everything. He doesn't know. That should tell you everything. Meaning what? That means nobody else is saying, hey, man, well, damn. Baker would be an upgrade from what we got. Hey, I'll give you this. People would rather wait to the class of 2023 than to take a flyer for $18 million on Baker Mayfield. On a one year. One year, on $18 million. Number one they took, they took a flyer on Sam Darnold. <laughs> so that so, should so, tell so him everything is, right, so about how is, people perceive him. So this is a lack of awareness on Baker's part. So like you're, you're, you're saying, I feel disrespected when the Browns are going, we were trying to move you. Nobody wants yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, literally... They're making phone calls. All you have to do is shut up and wait to get traded. All you have to do is nothing. Nothing. Just shut up. <laughs> That's all you have to do. And he goes on a podcast and just drops his trade value. Chris Canty, who is on right after Barton Hahn here on ESPN Des Moines, had this to say. If your goal, if your baker was to get your side of the story out in order to shape the perception of who you are as a person and as a quarterback, I don't know that this is mission accomplished. As a matter of fact, I think I can make the case that this is probably going to hurt you. Because if I'm an NFL decision maker, if I'm a GM, if I'm a coach, and I'm looking at that interview, do you think I want to bring that guy into my locker room? Do I want to bring that guy into my organization? I just don't think it's worth it. Dude played 10 years in the National Football League. He knows a lot about... Bart Scott played 10 years in the National Football League. These two guys know what locker rooms are like. And you can listen to that guy speak, Baker Mayfield speak, 
and Canty and Bart Scott both know people use the term cancer in the locker room far too often. But what a cancer in the locker room Baker Mayfield must be. Harry Douglas played wide receiver in the National Football League for a long time, had this to say about Baker Mayfield needing to learn a few things about the NFL. Rent is due every day. Rent is due every day. I don't care if you're the number one pick, the number two pick, first rounder, second rounder, third rounder, seventh rounder, free agent. Rent is due every day. And Baker Mayfield thinks that because he played hurt, people owe him things. That's not how this business works. And the sooner he can understand how this business works, the better off he will be. That's why I continuously say, say this to young cats coming into the NFL today or any sport. The quicker you can understand the business of whatever sport that you're in and understand that your sport does not care anything about your feelings, mm -hmm. the better off you will be in your career and the longer you will play in your sport as well. Get the bag is what he is saying. Um, Danny Cunningham does uh, a weekday talk show on ESPN Cleveland and had this to say when he was on ESPN radio earlier this week. Baker has always been able to prove people wrong. He's always been, he, you know, he didn't get a scholarship at Texas Tech. He goes to Oklahoma and wins the Heisman. He becomes the number one draft pick. He's always been able to see, see, I proved you wrong. He couldn't do that this time. And I think that that kind of reset him a little bit mentally. And I think that's a big reason why the Baker that we heard today on the You Never Know podcast was the guy that we heard today. Because I do think that while it's not going to be a future in Cleveland and it didn't work out in Cleveland, this was something that he probably needed to grow up a little bit and really improve the chance for him to be a successful quarterback anywhere else in the NFL. He's 27, though. Look, I'm not going to say I was the most mature human being at 27. I'm not the most mature human being at 40. But we're not talking about a rookie in the NFL who's still trying to figure a few things out and learn where the bathroom is and learn the playbook. I mean, Baker knows what it's like to be in the spotlight. He's been in the spotlight his entire career. He was in the spotlight at Oklahoma. When you're the quarterback of the Oklahoma Sooners, you know what it's like. You know what your responsibility is. You know when people are looking up to you. But he was great in college. Won a lot of football games in college. Not against Iowa State, but he won a lot of football games. And then he gets to the NFL and struggles and doesn't seem to handle adversity well at all. Meanwhile, uh, Keyshawn J. Will and Max is Keyshawn Johnson weekdays from 5 to 9 had this to say about Baker Mayfield. I would feel disrespected, too, if I had front office coaches and things of that nature telling me something and then doing something different. Uh, one of the things that I said yesterday on NFL Live is there's a couple things in Baker Mayfield as far as I'm concerned. He is being disrespected because they told him one thing and clearly they did something different. But at the same time, I think Baker needs to understand if it's about Deshaun Watson, that he's a better quarterback. So naturally they want to upgrade the position. But we don't know that conversation Baker Mayfield had with whoever he had it with in the front office. But he feels disrespected. And if that's the case, I'm rolling with Baker in that, in that sense. I'm going the other way, man. If you feel disrespected, fine. Go to the GM. Go to the coach. Get traded. You know, Matt Stafford, not totally disrespected by the Detroit Lions, but went to, the, went to management and said, look, trade me. I don't want to be part of this rebuild for the third time in my career. I can't do it. Trade me. And out of respect, they did it. But you know what? You didn't hear Matt Stafford. I never once heard Matt Stafford complaining about being with the Detroit Lions. You never heard that. You heard it quiet. 
calm, Matt Stafford, obviously frustrated with the Detroit Lions because the Lions have sucked forever. But he went to management and they worked out a trade. It was a mega deal. Now, Baker wasn't going to get return, the return that Matt Stafford got because he's just not the same quarterback. But he may have felt disrespected. And I believe that. But you don't go on some podcast and do 90 minutes about it. There's a way to handle it. His agent screwed him up. If his agent knew about, knew about this or his publicist or whoever, whoever thought this was a good idea was wrong. And that is one of the two millennial quarterbacks that we have to talk about. The other, can you look up the age of Kyler Murray for me, please, from the Arizona Cardinals? Kyler Murray, of course, the big drama a couple of weeks ago was that Arizona's young quarterback entering his fourth year of his rookie contract uh, deleted anything to do with the Arizona Cardinals from his Instagram. Oh, my God. Uh, buddy is 24. Is he a millennial? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm, if I am 26 and I am a millennial... Try to pawn him off to Gen Z. Can't do it. Well... <laughs> Can't do it. Oh, no. Wait. Hold up. What was the, what was the cutoff here? Like 96, 97. <gasps> he is just over the cusp into Gen Z. So he's a Gen Zer. We don't have to claim him. We don't claim him. All right, cool. I may want to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like... But it does still bother me what Kyler Murray is doing. Remember, he, he erased anything to do with his Instagram account connection with the Arizona Cardinals, but he did go back on the record saying, I'm an Arizona Cardinal. He wants a contract extension. Kyler Murray's watching these guys get mega contracts, all right? Everybody's watching these quarterbacks get mega contracts. Aaron Rodgers signing the $150 million deal. You know, Deshaun Watson getting 235. Who knows what Lamar Jackson's going to get? Josh Allen got that huge contract. Matt Stafford signed a mega extension. The thing about Kyler Murray is two things. One, he's not on the same level as some of these other quarterbacks. And two, Kyler Murray has, there hasn't been a year where Kyler Murray hasn't gotten banged up and that his play has suffered because he's gotten hurt. So now Kyler Murray is threatening, according to Mike Palisaro or Tom Palisaro, excuse me, and Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, take his word for what you want. Some people don't like it. Some people do. They're suggesting Kyler Murray will not play next season under his current contract. He's going to hold out and wait for a new offer. Kyler Murray would lose $40,000 a day. Think about that. There were $40,000 a day per the collective bargaining agreement. He's also going to lose his $4.5 million roster bonus if he doesn't come to camp by the third day. Kyler's salary next year, not the signing bonus, just his salary is $765,000 on top of the $4.5 million that he, that he gets in the signing bonus. But if he does sit out, he'll also have to pay back more than $5.8 million in his signing bonus that's already been paid to him, but he hasn't fully earned it yet. That's the way they spread contracts out. So if Kyler Murray sits out the whole season, here's why it's not going to happen. But if Kyler Murray sits out the whole season, he's going to lose $10 million. He's made $30 million in three years. A piece of that he'd have to pay back, like $5 million of that. So that's not going to happen. Kyler Murray's not going to sit out and lose $10 million. That's just not going to happen. But Kyler Murray hasn't done anything in this league except be a good fantasy quarterback sometimes. You know, Kyler Murray in the playoff game last year sucked. 
DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt. That offense goes nowhere. Kyler Murray doesn't rise up. You know, they brought in A.J. Green. They brought in J.J. Watt last year because the rumor out of Arizona was that Kyler Murray has zero, zero leadership ability in that locker room. They needed a veteran like A.J. Green. They needed a veteran like J.J. Watt, someone who can get that locker room together. You can talk about Baker Mayfield being a cancer. At least Baker Mayfield was in that locker room getting some of the guys fired up, maybe not the best way. But Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray had zero leadership presence. You ever watch Kyler Murray between plays, especially after a couple of incomplete passes um, or a play that goes nowhere or an interception? His body language sucks. His body language makes you think that he is mad. Kyler Murray's not a leader. Kyler Murray is also five foot seven or five foot eight. All right, he's a little guy, and his legs—I I don't know what's happened to his legs. His legs are gone because his first two years, that dude was a 300-yard passer, 100-yard rushing threat the, every game. And the last two years, I know he suffered a knee injury—not last season, but in 2020. I think it was against the Jets. And he hasn't been the same guy. He has not been the same guy. If you're talking about Stafford money, and you're talking about Aaron Rodgers money, and you're talking about Dak Prescott money, and you're talking about Josh Allen money, I'm not paying Kyler Murray that. I'm not paying Kyler Murray anything like that. He's not in the MVP conversation. He's never won a playoff game. He's not gotten his team deep into the postseason. Hell, I'd give Joe Burrow that deal right now, even though the Bengals don't have to. He got his team to a Super Bowl. I just, it, it, it infuriates me when I see quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, guys in my, maybe one of them, maybe one of them definitely, maybe both of them in my millennial generation, we are fighting to not come across as selfish and self-centered and everybody gets a trophy, <laughs> all right? Giving Kyler Murray a, a, a four-year, $200 million contract would be like giving everybody a trophy. Just because you're due a new contract doesn't mean you've earned a $200 million contract. Joe Burrow probably has because he went to the Super Bowl. You know Rodgers has. You know Josh Allen has. You know Patrick Mahomes has. His could be worth half a billion. Lamar Jackson probably has. That negotiation is going to get nasty. You watch for that. But Kyler Murray has done nothing in the NFL to deserve a major extension. Somebody will probably give it to him. It'll probably happen. But if I'm Arizona, this is a massive year. And maybe this relationship has gotten so tarnished, it's not going to happen with the Cardinals. Maybe they don't pick up that fifth-year option. Maybe he just says, do not sign me to that fifth year. But Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, not doing a lot to help me feel better about my generation. Coming up, more softness. But this time, oh, man, I think he's a millennial, too. This guy's like 35. Oh, crap. I think old school baseball fans raised a major eyebrow this week when Dave Roberts yanked one of the all-time best. We'll talk about it next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines, Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Cubs baseball tonight. Cubs and Rockies out in potentially freezing cold Denver tonight. 7.05 for the pregame. 
Uh, and then Pat and Ron will have the call from Coors Field right here on ESPN Des Moines at 740. Is that what I said? I just looked at the first pitch time. And then another one tomorrow, then the, uh, the day game coming up on Sunday. Speaking of baseball, the season's like a week old, and already I'm angry. <laughs> All right? I'm not angry that my Brewers started out poorly. They've won a couple in a row. That's cool. But what I'm upset with is what happened the other night. So the Dodgers and Twins, if you didn't see it, were playing in the Twin Cities. Another cold-weather game. And Clayton Kershaw was on the hill. Kershaw is a certain, you know, Clayton Kershaw is. First ballot Hall of Famer. What Maybe the best pitcher of this generation. Um, it's either he or Verlander. Whoever you want. He's perfect through seven. He's thrown 80 pitches. He's perfect through seven. No walks. No hits. I think he had 13 strikeouts at this point. And Dave Roberts pulls him. I couldn't believe it when I heard the news. There have been... 22 perfect games in the history of baseball. Hundreds of thousands of baseball games played. And 22 have ever been perfect. And after 80 pitches of seven-inning, no-hit baseball, Dave Roberts pulls Clayton Kershaw. I about ripped my hair out. I about ripped my hair out because, again, I fight for my generation is not soft. And, And the problem with baseball is... Well, the problem, a lot of sports do this, but we'll just specifically talk about baseball. Analytics say this. Pitch counts. Pitch counts for the game. Pitch counts for the month. Pitch counts for the entire innings pitch for the entire year. We got to keep guys fresh. Now, I'm going to both sides this, too, because I hate myself for doing this, but I have to be fair to the Dodgers. It just bothers the heck out of me when I see Clayton Kershaw get yanked at this point. Sandy Koufax would have punched Dave Roberts. Bob Gibson would have punched Dave Roberts if he tried to pull him out. All right? Nolan Ryan wouldn't have even listened to Dave Roberts. He just would have said, nope, walked right back up there to get six more outs. Now, I don't know how Clayton Kershaw feels really and truly, but he said all the right things after the game. Yeah, it's hard. You know, I feel bad for uh, for Barnsey. You know, Barnsey did such a great job, and it's fun to get to catch one of those. And so I, I wanted to do it with Barnsey. You know, um, it'd be special. And but at the end of the day, those are those are individual things. Those are those are selfish goals, and we're trying to win. You know, and um, that's that's really all we're here for. And as much as I would have wanted to do it, I've, I've thrown 75 pitches in a sim game. You know, and I hadn't gone six innings, let alone seven. And um, Sure, I would have loved to do it, but, um, you know, maybe we get another chance. Who knows? Now, I don't know if he actually truly believes that, but what he said there, I've only thrown a 75-inning sim game. You know, he has, it usually takes these guys, you don't see opening day starters generally go six, seven, eight, nine innings. It doesn't happen. Granted, in today's baseball, you don't see nine-inning pitchers very often regardless because, again, pitch counts for the game, pitch counts for the month, innings pitch for the year. They want to keep guys safe and fresh especially on good teams for the postseason. The Dodgers are maybe the best team in baseball. Who knows? Kershaw has only thrown a 75-pitch simulated game and was asked, would this have been a thing? Would he have been pulled after seven this early in the year back in the first part of his career? Earlier in my career, I'd be built up to 100 pitches. I mean, blame it on the lockout. Blame it on me not picking up a baseball till January. But, I mean, there's no... Uh, I mean, my slider was horrible the last two innings, so I just it didn't have the bite. Um, it was kind of um, it was it was time. It was time. 
Shout out to the guy banging the cleats together in the background. By the way, I have done interviews with people and been around some jackass baseball players before. I was in the Brewers locker room one time, and I was interviewing somebody afterwards or before. I can't even remember which was. And Prince Fielder starts walking by, shouting out lyrics from a song. And just there, it's, it's F-bomb and this. As loud as he could, walking by. So I had to pull the microphone away, re-ask the question. I don't even know who I was talking to. Maybe it was Brian Braun or Ricky Weeks or somebody on that, those Brewers teams. But I was just like, really, bro? And he was looking at me the whole time. I don't think that guy banging the cleats together necessarily knew what he was doing. Maybe he did. <laughs> I have no idea. ESPN's Jeff Passan, who is one of the best, uh, I think, out there right now on TV and radio and all of the things that he does to cover baseball, had these thoughts. The issue with Clayton Kershaw here is that uh, his elbow and, and his forearm were in rough shape last season. Uh, this, yes. this is a guy who's, who's thrown a lot of innings in his career and doesn't want in that first game to do anything that can put him at risk. But I just don't think it's a binary situation. I think, you know, if he's at 100 pitches and, and we're looking for two more innings, yeah. Like, I get it even more under those circumstances, but you're right. A couple more pitches, go at a time, see how he's feeling. Yeah, by all means, that, that's not an unreasonable thing to consider. I agree with Jeff Passan. You know, if he goes out there, gives up a hit, boom, done. If he walks a batter, boom, done. If he feels a little twing, you know, twinge in his arm, boom, get him out of there. If you're a fan, and I've, I've been to a lot of baseball games in my life, I have never seen a no-hitter. I think I've seen five innings. I was at a, uh, I think I was at an eight-inning no-hitter once. That was it. I've never seen a no-hitter in my life. If you're a fan at that game, and granted, maybe this is different if this was at Chavez Ravine and Dodgers fans are screaming, you know, let's go. Does he still get pulled after seven? I don't know. This was in Minneapolis, road game, cold weather. If I'm a fan, I am mad because that's the best chance you'll probably ever get to see a perfect game. Six more outs by the Dodgers? Six more outs by Clayton Kershaw? We couldn't get one more or two more innings out of Kershaw? And it was, it was infuriating. Now, the flip side of this, I totally get why the Dodgers did it. And I hate both sides in this. So if you're, I've been in sports talk for a very long time. And you're not supposed to have this attitude. You're supposed to be very stern with your opinion and you cannot back down. But as Passon alluded to, Kershaw's got the elbow issue a year ago, less than a year ago. The forearm issue, less than a year ago. I understand that. I get it. I mean, he's 34. He's thrown a million pitches in his life, in his career. He's been in the league for 15 years. He's thrown so many innings. I mean, you talk about guys that actually do go seven, eight, nine innings on a more regular basis than most pitchers in baseball. This is the guy. You know, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, those guys go seven, eight, nine. So I understand how taxed his arm has been for his entire career. That doesn't mean I have to like it. The last time any pitcher ever went seven innings of perfect ball and got uh, pulled by their manager, it's happened one other time in the history of baseball. One time. And it was Rich Hill in 2016 who pitched for the Dodgers, who was Kershaw's teammate, and he was pulled by Dave Roberts. The exact same manager, same team. He pulled him back in 2016. But the difference was 
Hill was at 100 pitches. Usually 100 is the number that, that managers allow their pitchers to go, go to. Kershaw was at 80. Have him throw five more and check in. Have him throw eight more and check in. You, you, and selfishly, yes, I wanted to see a perfect game. Twins fans, even though it was your team, you would have been cool with watching Kershaw throw the perfecto in your building. Dodgers fans, Kurt, the one, that's one thing he's never done. Kershaw's never thrown a perfect game. He's thrown no hitters. He's won a World Series. He's got Cy Young's coming up out of his pockets. But he's never thrown the perfect game. We were robbed of it because of analytics. We were robbed of it because of numbers. And that just, I mean, it happened. There was a couple of guys last year, you know, a couple times when pitchers were, were pulled after 100 pitches in seven innings, and then the bullpens come in and shut it down. But not perfectos. That's, this was a rarity. There have only been 22 perfect games pitched in the history of baseball, hundreds of thousands of games in the history of baseball, and we were robbed of it as fans. But again, I get it. You're dealing with an older pitcher who's at the back end of his career, still pitching at a high level, obviously. And he had elbow issues last year. So there's just there's an hour of complaining. <laughs> I mean, it really... I, oh, very nice. It's true, though. I mean, the three subjects that the, we talked about, Rogers, who's a millennial, Sammy Watkins, millennial. Millennials are everywhere, man. I swear we're not soft. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for checking out the, uh, the show today, ESPNDesMoines.com on Facebook and Twitter. Follow me at Mike Wicket. Don't follow Kira. On saxophone, what is it, T-Sax Player? Yeah. Don't, don't follow don't Kira on Twitter it. at T-Sax Player. You'll regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Uh, we'll do it again coming up next week. Cubs baseball tonight here on ESPN Des Moines. Have a great good Friday and a safe and happy Easter.